You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to God's Word. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Hey gals, so today we're going to have a replay of New Mercies. And New Mercies, if you don't know what that was or is, it's an event that we have at ATHE every year. And this year, a couple weeks ago, we just had it. And it was just, it was was so fun. It's always so fun to get all the gals together. But I know our podcast audience doesn't always get to join us there in person. But at this particular New Mercies, I was laying out what I hope is a really good picture of God's solid foundation for us to just plant our feet on. And I really wanted this to kind of just keep in our back pocket as we continue Defined by Design, our study on biblical womanhood. If you're joining us, we just launched that here a couple days ago, and it's not too late to join. You can always either come in person on Tuesday nights. You can check us out online at the Athey Women YouTube channel. We did do a study pack with that one. It's a journal and some verse cards. So you can always get those if you want. Just go check out the Athey gear page and you can order that. But that's all the extra stuff. The important part is that God is good and he is our sure foundation. And that's the thing. I really just want you gals to hear what the Lord placed on my heart. Um, And so that's why I've decided to put this out on the podcast platform as well. Just so we're kind of all starting on the same starting block. And as we're going to continue these weeks in Defined by Design and studying biblical womanhood, I want you to always be coming back to who God is. And that that's really what we're aspiring as we're studying scripture is to know more about him, our creator, and that we are made in his image. So if hearing it on audio kind of drives you crazy because I'm referring to some slides and things like that, you can always go to the Athey Women YouTube channel and that um, teaching will be there. It'll be under New Mercies. We'll put a link to it here in the podcast notes as well. But if you just want to fold your laundry and listen, here you go. With New Mercies, it's always, you know, that theme, that verse in the back of it for us is that Lamentations 3, you know, that's telling us that His mercies are new every morning. And it's not a New Mercies, like, event theme. It's not like an annual theme. That's kind of for us as believers, that is a daily, hour-by-hour theme, right? We need to be reminded that that's just something that does not run out. And so with that, I always kind of keep that in our back pocket with whatever we're talking about. But I, I love the idea that we get of newness and of things that we we start on on New Year's. I'm one of those, I like the newness of the year. It's kind of fun when you get to clean and, and get the Christmas decorations out and, and it's okay if your tree is still up, it's okay, it's all right. But you know that feeling, you know, it's kind of nice. It's kind of nice. I like the new journal and I like the new checklist and, and it's just a fun time to be able to kind of start something fresh. And so what an amazing verse to always have kind of in our back pocket that that kind of feeling, that kind of newness is available to us at every moment of our day. So I was realizing when I was thinking and praying about what tonight was or what this morning was going to look like, and I was wanting to really look at what our foundations look like. And all of these biblical, these ideas kept coming up of, of building and structures and all this stuff. And I was like, that sounds very women's ministry-ish, you know, construction and building and foundations. And and then I realized last New Mercies, gals, I talked about walls, you know, and building walls and laying bricks and Nehemiah. And so I don't know. I 
I'm just never gonna be fluffy. It just is kind of how it's gonna go. But I love, the Bible just keeps pointing us to these things and they're, and they're foundational. And that's really the theme of where we're gonna go for today is just kind of doing a little bit of a foundation check. And I think this is important to us anytime, but it's particularly on my heart for this year as we are going to spend so much time looking at kind of what the world would say very core identity questions. It's always funny that that term is thrown out so much, identity. What's your identity? As believers, man, right away, your identity is in Christ. Well, what does that mean? And, and that's why I want to look at what the, what the foundations are, because I think that's where we find the answers to a lot of those questions. So when I you think about the foundation, you know that it matters. And some of you are going to go, aim. this is too soon, but let's go ahead and talk about tree roots, okay? So... For those of you who might not be joining us from the Portland area, we've had a war zone in certain areas of the city as, you know, massive trees that never should come out of the ground have come out of the ground and are through people's roofs or in people's lawns. And it's, it's just an unbelievable sight. And yep, I'm one of those people that actually had to Google and go, huh? Like, how is that possible? You know, but as you guys all have visual proof of, as you go drive probably even here today, ice, it puts on 10 to 100 times the weight that a tree is used to bearing on those branches. And that, you know, coming together with wet, soggy soil, which we've got that in abundance here in Oregon. We have no problem with that. You got the soggy soil, and then it kind of, there's a compromised root system. You have those three components, heavy branches, the weight of something really rough, soggy and then a compromised root system creates this lovely, perfect storm that then these massive trees that look so solid from the outside, you drive past them every day and you'd go, no, it's, that one's good. It's going to stay there long past I'm gone. That tree that looks so good is in someone's lawn or on someone's car. Our foundation definitely matters. And I, I think we know that, and you, if you have a tree in your front yard right now, you really know that, but it matters in our own lives too, because the same thing is, can be applied. If our foundation is sitting on something that's very diluted, if you have kind of a watered-down faith, if you have a watered-down view of Scripture, if you have kind of like, I'll, I'll just, you know, take a little bit of this of what feels good, but, you know, but it's watery then leads to this compromised root system that leaves you in a foundation that you're gonna look more like that tree down the street than you are going to be a solid tree that will be here for all time. So I wanna just start with this passage here in Luke because Jesus says some things about our foundations and the things that we build upon. And he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream broke against the house, but could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of the house was great." So whether you want to picture the uh, destruction of an actual house that crumbles due to a poor foundation, or if the, just the tree is just super applicable, or if you're like, going, nope, it's still too soon. I don't want to talk about the tree. Put your own picture in there. But the destruction is, is the same. 
It says the ruin of the house was great. Notice at the very beginning of that, at the first part in 46, the tie to obedience. All of this is tied on, are you going to obey what he says? Even at the beginning, Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? Basically, why are you calling me master? Why are you calling me teacher? If you're not gonna do what I tell you to do. You, there is an obedience link that is tied into what your foundation is, what you're building on. Because if you're not gonna obey, if you're not gonna listen to what our Lord, our teacher, what Jesus tells us to do, then you're just gonna be like this house that's going to be up for great ruin. You're gonna have a shaky foundation. Water's gonna come and you're gonna be in trouble. And sadly, I think that, yes, I, I think we could say greater in the culture speaking, but also even some in the church, we see a lot of compromised foundations. We, we kind of maybe even don't stop to even think about the thing that we're standing on, but somehow slowly, maybe over one compromise after another, maybe you've gotten to a place where you're standing more firmly upon this person or this blog or this you know, uh, book that you read and you're going off of what they say, but slowly, slowly, slowly over time, it's getting further and further away from what the word says. And, and, and so this foundation check is to go, okay, let, let's double check. Let's double check what we're really standing on and what that should look like. Proverbs gives us a really great place to start in our beginnings. And it says in Proverbs 1.7, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now we all easily, we go to the last part of that verse and you either do one of two things. We're like, okay, I really don't wanna be the fool. I don't wanna, I, I don't wanna do that. Or you skip over that part and we're like, Good thing I'm not the fool. Check yourself on that, which where do you land on that? But the beginning of that verse, where it all starts with your foundation, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And it's that word fear, if, if maybe you're new to Christianity, maybe you're new to the Bible, or maybe you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, but maybe that word fear kind of bothers you a little bit. I don't wanna be scared of God. I want God to be my friend and my buddy. Well. He, he is a friend and you can look in scripture, but he's, he's not someone that we should deal lightly with either. So I always hate to just kind of give a cursory, oh, it's not, don't be scared, because there is this reverence, this heaviness, this weightiness when we're talking about the Lord and we shouldn't just skip over that. I think my favorite description and picture that I just cling to and I did as a kid and even as adult, it means just as much to me as it did then, is the picture that C.S. Lewis gives us in the, in the Chronicles of Narnia about Aslan, you know, the lion. I'll read you the, the quote that it uses in that book. And it's a conversation between Susan and Mr. Beaver. And Aslan, it says, is the lion, the, li the lion, the great lion. And Susan asks, is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. He is good. Safe, no, but he's good. When we think about standing and checking our, what our foundation is, do we base it upon the Lord who is good? And, and to know that, you need to do what Scripture also tells us to do and get to know Him. In Jeremiah 9, 24, he says, But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. I love that that verse tells us a few things about who He is, what he does, he practices steadfast love, justice, righteousness. He's not just this lovey, gushy God. He is love, he is mercy, but he's also justice and righteousness. 
all of those things all at one time. And he doesn't have to take one hat off to put the other one on. We do. We, we kind of like, we lose that. But God does not have to do that. But it says that we can understand and know him. Now, when you hear that, I love that it's, it's the Bible telling us that we can do those things. We can understand, we can know him. But then we also, I know at least, I, we feel our limitations, right? You know, even when we're trying to comprehend both his love and his wrath all in one thing, that's hard for us to do. But within the capacity that our finite brains are able to understand and know him, the Lord says, do that. You must understand, you must know me. And this, this is a, it's not only an aim for us, but it's something that we are able to do, that we understand and we know him. So to understand, to know him, well, you got to turn to what it is, where, what's gonna tell us all about him. And that is, of course, what God's word tells us, all about his attributes, all of them. And it's such an amazing study. If you read the Bible and you check in every day with the Lord and his word, not for Lord, like what kinds of great stuff do you got for me today? You know, but what are you going to show me about who you are? It will change the way you read the Bible because you're not reading it for you. That is actually a really amazing byproduct is that the Lord does bless you as you do get to know him. It does tell you things about you as well, but don't let that be your aim. The whole scripture is these constant little building pieces within our foundation showing us and teaching us who God is, that we could understand and we could know him. But often, and maybe you were even one of them this week, kind of can question, is God good? This doesn't feel real good. And if I understand and know God to be good, this firm foundation who is God and is good, do I always feel that right now? And this is an important thing where I think we need to sometimes just take our emotions, set them over here, and again, come back to the Word of God because it's true or it's not. There's no, there's no middle ground. You don't get to come to Scripture and go, this is a great section, but this is not. That, that's, that's our flesh. And are we more wise than God? That's ridiculous to think. So it's really important that we lock in about what Scripture says. It's, it's in Ephesians 4, 13. You don't have to flip there, I'll just read it to you. But in Ephesians 4, 13, it says, until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of fullness in Christ. So like completeness, really understanding who Christ is, who God is. Verse 14, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. The way we don't get deceived, the way that we really lock in and we remember who God is, is by being in his word and believing that to be true and knowing that to be true, even when you don't feel it all the time. We gals gotta be, we gotta be careful of our feelings and our emotions and the things that we go, the Lord gave them to us and that's wonderful. But our emotions and our feelings and how we feel about God especially should not rule us. We need to be absolutely submitted to what the word of God says because otherwise we're, you're gonna be the tree in your front yard. I love how Spurgeon says this and you know, especially with this cold week, this is maybe even more appropriate, but remember the goodness of God in the frost of adversity. You know, we've many of us have said, you know, the snow is pretty, it's lovely, ice, that's pushing me right there, you know? It's hard sometimes when our schedules get all thrown around and all those things to remember that it, those things are all secondary. Do you ever do you think about the most annoying thing that's happened in your day and the Lord planned it. 
The Lord gave it to us. Can we still remember the goodness of God in the midst of having to do a house remodel, having water damage, having a, a car that got smashed up? Believe it or not, it's possible. But I think it's more than just an adversity. I think we need to fortify our foundation to better understand, to know Him for all our questions, not just when tough stuff comes, but to understand and know Him so that we have a place to really stand on when we come to questions about life, good or bad. He's the source for all of it. This year, I wanted to really spend some time on this foundation layer this morning for New Mercies, because in a couple of weeks, like I mentioned, we're going to jump into this Defined by Design study. And there will be moments where you will read something in Scripture in a couple of weeks during that study, and you're going to go, hmm, not sure if I like that part. It's good. And I want you to remember this morning when you are facing questions like that about, about who God is, what your foundation is. Am I really trusting and relying on Scripture and His Word? And am I looking to Him who is good? Because if He's good, then this thing, even though I don't quite get it right now, it's good too. So, so trust in that, but you might have to kind of refer back to that. So I wanted to give us just a few reminders about His goodness and that He is so good. One of His many attributes but he is so good. So I'm gonna give you a couple of scriptures. It's not tough to turn into your Bibles and find passages about the goodness of the Lord, but here are a few. Psalm 86, five. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. You notice in each of these verses, it's, it's also giving a description of what that goodness looks like. Forgiving, abounding, steadfast. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever keeps telling us these things about his goodness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. I love that the Lord is not stingy with his goodness. It's not just enough goodness. It's abundant. It's overflowing in goodness. One more good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. I'm thankful for that verse. I am thankful that the Lord instructs this sinner in the way that we should go. Because I'm not that smart. And I wouldn't figure out, I, I would, we would make mistakes, right? Or, and we're going to make mistakes. But if we were left to our own reasoning of what we think it should look like and what, what we should do, I, I want to trust the Lord on that way over anything that we're going to come up with. He instructs us in His way. So this passage right here, uh, you are good and you do good. Teach me your statutes. So love this verse so much, we threw it on a bag that you guys are all gonna take home today, okay? This is a short verse. Everybody can memorize this verse. If you've got kids, let them memorize this verse. Pull this little verse apart and, and teach them this verse. Teach yourself this verse on a, on a daily basis because I think this is so important for us. Look at a couple things about this. I, I like, there's a little bit of the English major you're gonna see in, in this, but I, I kind of like lines and I actually liked sentence diagrams. I know. I'm sorry. I really did. I don't know why they took those away in school. But who's the you? Who's the subject? You got to go back a couple verses in the, in the psalm to go, which, who, which you are we talking to? And it's in uh, verse 65 that that verse says, You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, 
according to your word. So the O Lord, it's the capital L, capital O, R, D, all capital letters. And when you see that in your Bibles, that means that it's referring, referring to the Hebrew word for Yahweh, the one true God, which is the name that God gave to himself, Moses, the burning bush, that whole story, that's that name. It's a name that was so holy to the Hebrews. Even today, they, they, don't, they don't always speak it. When you see it in writing, it's missing vowels. They don't exactly know how that word may have been spelled even for sure. But this, so that's when you see it, we put the vowels in there to help us with spelling, but it's Y-H-W-H when you see it in, in scripture in the Hebrew. So that's the U right there. So we are talking about Yahweh, the one true God. That's who the, the next part's about. Now these, the next two, we get to, we have two verbs here. So Yahweh, he, he is something and he does something all at the same time. See this again, this is our finite brain trying to comprehend something about a God who is infinite. And he is this and he does it at the same time. And does what? So there's two different goods here. I wanna show you these. So the first good is meaning moral, excellent, pleasant, in order, and desirable. I love that it's, you know, it has little pieces of all of those words because our English just says, good, good. Well, it's kind of more simple. There's more to it. This is a little bit more of a robust definition of what it means for God who is good and you are good. Both those things, you do it and you are it. And moral excellence, pleasantness, but in order. See, I'm loving this in order thing. Yes, because I'm type A and I like order anyway. But particularly when we're gonna start looking at what God's design is for us as women, there's order there. You cannot ignore it. The order is there from Genesis all the way through the entire story of scripture. You keep seeing this order. And that order, guess what? It's good. It's even, dare we say, pleasant. And that's within the definition of who he is and what he does. Now, the other good there, oh, I wanna read one verse to you. Um, the, it's in Psalm 16, six. And it says, the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places indeed. I have a beautiful inheritance. I love that verse because we don't think of lines sometimes and boundaries as being good. Like that's somebody telling us that we can't do something. So I don't like that. Nope. He says that the lines, the boundaries, all of these things, that order that we just talked about, is it's desirable, it's in pleasant places, and we have a sweet inheritance from the Lord based in those, those pleasant boundaries that he's given. I love that. So the other uh, good that we have there is to do well, make successful, be thorough, make beautiful and agreeable. I mean, list those things. When you think of the goodness of God, when you think of who he is and what he does, those are apt descriptions of what he is. But our definition of goodness doesn't always totally match that. And that's why I really think it's important and it's fun to study scripture in this way, where you kind of look up these words and get a journal, draw some lines around. We're going to do some of this in the Defined by Design study too, where you kind of do some of this yourself. But it helps us to see and understand more fully what we're talking about when we say God is good. God who is our foundation is good. Going on in this verse, that very important word right there, teach me. Lord, teach me. So I immediately think of 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. You can look it up, but I'll read it to you. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. We quote this verse all the time here at Athey. And, you know, because it reminds us 
reminds me, this is not to be handled lightly. If you're looking at God's word as all scripture, which you can, that, that means Old Testament, New Testament, all scripture, that it's breathed out by God, well, that means we better take it really seriously. It should measure us. We should, we should be here for the reproof, correction, for the training in righteousness. That's what it does. But if you, if you just kind of think of it as any other book, it's not gonna do that. The other part, at the end, when it talks about that we may be complete and equipped for every good work, this is the so interesting thing. And it's our, it's our nature, right? We wanna have um, extra steps. We wanna have an extra book we had to read. We wanna have like, you know, I, I don't know, somebody tell, tell me the right um, way I'm supposed to focus and the right way I'm supposed to breathe and all these extra steps. And, and the thing is, is, is that, does the Bible say you need extra stuff? It says, it says this is what fully equips you. And I don't think the, there's a different definition for fully. It's not partly, it fully equips us. But we often just think, well, it needs a little help. And gals, we're bad at this. We just like, we like extra steps. We like something that tells us do this next and do this next. And, do. and so we just add to stuff. And if we're, if we're not careful, that leads us down a path of something that started out maybe just five degrees off, but as you continue to travel down that road, you're way over here. The word just keeps coming to you that it is what fully equips us. Now, this last word I want to highlight here is statutes. And you probably think of something legal. I do. And we should. Because it means authoritative rule. Okay. That says it just like it is, right? Authoritative rule. That's not a suggestion. That's not like, this is one option you could choose. This is a multiple choice. This is an authoritative rule. Short little verse, but that verse says a lot of things, doesn't it? And this is describing who God is, what he does, and then this invitation for us to ask the Lord, Lord, would you teach me reproof? Would you correct me? Would you train me in righteousness? Would you fully equip me? with your authoritative rule. Authoritative means that you are going to be submitted to that rule, that you are going, coming to the Lord and you're gonna say, I am great with you being the boss of me. It's a tough thing for some of us to say. And sometimes we'll even pay maybe lip service to it, but we won't really check the foundation and go, is that really what I'm standing on though? Or is that just what I think I'm supposed to say? So you gotta check that, be really honest because the Lord knows our hearts. There's nothing that we can, we can we can't trick him. He already knows. So a few things that I just want to highlight about his goodness as we just kind of fortify our own foundation with this and define his goodness. There's a couple of things. The first one is that I see that his goodness is majestic. It's majestic. So uh, a Psalm that I love on this is Psalm 145, starting in verse five. And it says, on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on the wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. It's impossible to see, or at least honestly, perhaps look around at creation and not see the goodness the majestic quality that his goodness brings us through creation. In the first three chapters of the Bible, that's where we see good being used 14 times. Eight times he uses it is good to declare something about something that he has made. 
So he, it, it's so, the creation itself is something that just has the stamp of his goodness. And that is something that, you know, when you're in your most dire place, you can still look around outside and be reminded of his goodness. It's in Romans that tells us that, that ever, all creation is without excuse because they can just look around and they can see who God is. That's an amazing thing. So don't, don't lose sight of that. Sometimes we do just need to look around, get outside of our tunnel, open our eyes and see his goodness in the majestic nature of what he has made, the things that he has done. But his goodness is also steady. And two passages I wanna bring out with this, but after this week, this one's a real comfort. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Um, I don't, I mean, I was just so dying for one thing this week to go regular skating direction, but you know how it was. Every meeting got canceled, every, you know, school was on, then it was off, and you, even the direction you would drive down the road, you'd be going one place and then there's a tree, so you're changing. After a while, you get kind of tired of change. Change is exhausting. I love that it even says the children of Jacob are not consumed because after so much shifting around and so much changing, it is, it makes us feel restless. It makes us feel like, uh, come on, I just want something. That's the same. What a comfort. God doesn't change. He never, ever changes. It's in Hebrews where it says this about Jesus. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever not leaving anything out, okay? He's just always the same. And I don't know, there's sometimes people, maybe you're one of those folks that just loves something new and changing and, you know, all of that. I, the, you don't want your foundation to change. You kind of want that to know it's something constant, consistent, and you can count on that. And God is telling us that me, Jesus, I, I don't change. I stay the same. And this is an important part in our foundation check because there is lots of verbiage these days, it seems, about like, well, we know more now. Or we just know that this particular passage was for that culture at this day, but it's not for us. Now, I'm not telling you that you should not read Scripture appropriately in its context. Absolutely not. I'm not a, I don't like the whole picking and choosing Scripture and all that kind of stuff, plopping it out of something it didn't belong. But we need to be careful with this because this verbiage specifically of, well, this we know more now or this is not culturally relevant, it's, it's just such a hook and such a way of deceiving us. And we need to be careful that we don't fall for that because God, His Word, it doesn't change. And I am so thankful for that. I'm just, I'm kind of simple and I just kind of want to see it in black and white. And it is actually in black and white. But the world will say, oh, but there's more nuance with that. This is not, you know, we understand more about this. We understand that women's roles should look like this today. The Bible, no, 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 that was different. I can't wait till we get to these weeks in a couple weeks. I mean, you gals, I'm annoyingly excited about it, okay? <laughs> so, but the, the steadiness, the consistency, that should be a comfort to us. When everything in the world feels like it's shifting and changing, God, his word does not change. Also, when we look at his goodness, there is an element of his goodness, I think sometimes that is unexpected. Romans 8.28 says this, and it says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good and for those who are called according to his purpose. Such a truth of scripture, just like all of scripture, but sometimes we take this verse to mean something that maybe it doesn't always match our feelings. 
right? Sometimes people read this verse and they think that this just means that if I have accepted Jesus and I am walking with the Lord, then everything in my life is going to be so awesome. That tree is going to land on somebody else's house, but it's not going to land on mine. But that is not necessarily what it means. But believing that his good might look different than what you thought, might look different than how it feels, but that it's still good. I think the more we walk with the Lord, we'll begin to see the truth of what C.S. Lewis is saying here, where he says, we are not necessarily doubting that God will do the best for us. We are wondering how painful the best will turn out to be. <laughs> yeah. And, and how does that make sense? See, that this quote is written from a place, actually, of extreme grief. He had lost his wife. He wasn't doubting the goodness of God and what the best uh, that God had for him. But it was found, he found that goodness of God in the midst of huge grief. How do you come to situations where you, where you can find the goodness in some of the worst situations? In a cancer diagnosis, in death. How do we see God's goodness in that? We're, we keep being reminded of these scriptures this morning that that goodness doesn't change. God doesn't change, although our circumstances do. But that good God that, that is our foundation, that's the same. It's the same, that it didn't change because your circumstances changed. I love in the Old Testament, the story of Joseph. You know, we, we love the story of Joseph that, you know, he's a kid, he, he has all these dreams, tells his brothers all these fancy stories. And, uh, and his brothers weren't real big fans, were they? So you know how the story goes. Joseph is then taken by his brothers and he's sold into slavery. And, you know, it's only a few pages in our Bible in Genesis, but it's years, gals, it's years of good? I don't think we would have been feeling the good in Joseph's situation. I mean, he, he goes, he gets taken down to Egypt. He's in prison for a while. He's a servant for a while. He's a slave. All of these things are not exactly what we would go, wow, this is the Lord's best for me. I am living my best life, okay? But yet, Joseph, when his brothers come, when the famine hits Egypt, and his brothers come down to Egypt for food because they're starving. And he sees his brothers. They don't recognize him. And, and read, the, read chapter 44 of Genesis 45. It's just great to see how it all plays out. But it's in chapter 45 that Joseph tells his brothers who he reveals who he is. And he's like, it's me, it's Joseph. And his brothers are a little freaked out because they're like, he's gonna be real mad, real mad. But Joseph, he doesn't blame them. Instead, he says, God sent me here to preserve a remnant. This, all of those things I went through for the last many, many years that were not so fun, God put me here to preserve a remnant. This was God's best for his people, for me. But really, like, don't just read over that. Like, that wasn't good feeling. But it was what was good, what God said would be good. Jesus promised us in John 16, 33, that he said, I have said these things to me, that in me you may have peace, in the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. When Jesus is your foundation, his goodness, all his attributes and who he is, you have peace, but not fewer problems. But you will have peace. And, and maybe some of you are like, you know, you maybe knew some people this week even that were like, why are you not freaked out? This is not fun. But as, as believers, we have the ability to go to the Lord 
with our most stressful situation, with the, with the worst news that we could possibly have heard and go to the Lord and He gives peace. It was so sweet last night, even after we finished the study, a gal came up to me afterwards and she was sharing exactly this peace that she felt this week. Her husband was out of town, trees were coming down all, all around her. And the Lord just in His goodness gave her a peace. That is the sweetness that the Lord provides. Not fewer problems, but He does give us a peace that passes all understanding. And that is found when you know what you're standing on. One more thing about the goodness of the Lord is that we need to remember His goodness is absolutely perfect. Psalm 1830 says this. It says, this God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all of those who take refuge in Him. It's perfect. You don't got to tweak it. You don't got to change it. You don't got to make it more culturally relevant. His word, Him, He's perfect. And I especially just love, love, love this because a couple weeks, I've, I've already told you, this is where we're headed. We're going to start here in Genesis 1.27. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. We read that verse over and over and over. We could all probably repeat it. The world thinks this is all nonsense. This is true. This is reality. This is perfection. This is what he created. And with the part that we often glance over to is that image of God part. And we, and we don't, I mean, that sounds nice. Yay. That's profound. Your cat, your dog, not the image of God. Okay. God didn't need to do that. He didn't have to. He didn't need to make us. But you see, I think his goodness, this in creation, right? He says over and over, it is good, it is good, it is good. Now, as I said earlier, he also, when he was laying all those things out, the one time that he said it is not good is that man should be alone and I will create a helper suitable for him, a helper fit for him. It says in Genesis 2.18. That's part of the perfection too. And I love that. It's, so, it's, it's this pleasant boundary. It's part of this perfect, defined design that he created. And we really don't need to tweak it, gals. We don't need to change it. We need to be submitted to it. And we will be, we, our inheritance will be in pleasant places. It, it's just such a beautiful word. But his plan, his nature, who he is, is perfect in every possible way. Is that... That all of those things about his goodness, that it's majestic, that it's steady, unexpected perhaps at times, but that it's perfect. Some of those definitions we gave in, in, um, in the first Psalm where you are good and you do good, that good, are those elements within your foundation? When you think about who God is, what you're standing on, when you think of things that are harder, are you coming back to a foundation that is solid, locked in to who God is? I want to share one other verse. I'm going to read it to you. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians 3. This is where I was just reading at the beginning. It was, it was kind of one of these, you know how you have those verses that just keep coming up and up and up? And, and this has been one. And when I was reading it, again, because I've been reading this so often, I saw this little foundation piece tucked in here. So it is in Ephesians 3, 14. I want to start there. 
Ephesians 3, 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ, this is where I want you to pay attention, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And then the rest of the part, it, it's just so good. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Right in the middle of that passage, that rooted and grounded in love. There's another foundation check in there. What Do I base what my roots are, what I think I'm grounded in, in who love is, the real definition of love? And the perfect love, the perfect example of that, it says that God is love. His goodness, but also his love. His, all of those passages we read, his steadfast kindness, his mercy, his graciousness. Is it rooted in that? Because that's the first part of your foundation check is, is Jesus in your foundation at all? Because if you're standing on some things that are not that, you're gonna be very disappointed. It won't, it won't stand. Take your most destructive picture you want. Maybe it's water damage in your kitchen, or maybe it's a tree that's uprooted on your lawn. That kind of, that's what it looks like. That's what your life looks like when it's not in the firm foundation of who Jesus is, which is also rooted in love. So you gotta start there. If you were, you know, drug here or maybe just bribed here with food that you didn't have to cook, we're so glad you're here. But if you kind of look around at all these smiley Christian women and go, what is your deal? Jesus is our deal because we're not shaken by the fact that the world is nuts. We have a solid foundation. And that's the thing you got to first check for, with yourself is, is that my foundation at all? And it's so easy to get. It's, so, it's the most amazing, gracious gift ever. It's the gospel itself. It's Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 that if you confess with your mouth, if you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died, that he rose again, you'll be saved You've laid a foundation. Jesus is your foundation. You'll stand on that. That's the very first spot. It tells us in Isaiah 28, 16, it says, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am the one, this is speaking of Jesus, I am the one who has laid a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste. Now, it's a, you know, Bible-sounding word to sound, say haste, but what the word is is panic. Like, you won't be panicked. You're not going to be freaked out. If what? If you have a sure foundation. It has to start that you believe in Jesus. You know you have surety about your life. You're not falling for all the stuff that people are saying or the extra steps or whatever it is. You're standing on a firm foundation locked in by God's word, knowing who he is, examining who he is, and getting to know him more, that he who boasts may boast in this, that he understands and knows me by reading his scriptures. 1 Corinthians 
says this, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. This is telling us that the, the, the only foundation that's really actually an option, because the rest of them aren't foundations, is Jesus. But you see the little piece in there that says, be careful how you build it? That means you, you actually need to note the ingredients that are there. When you're learning and you're wanting to, you're learning about who God is, if you're taking who you think God is from your own brain and not from God's word, well, you, you got a false brick in there. Uh, years, years ago, there, back in 2008, and I remember the, the date because this is when YouTube was like brand new, there was a woman who learned how to build her house from the ground up from watching YouTube videos. Yeah, a woman and her kids, they built their house. It, it, they, they got all the materials. They literally watched YouTube to figure out like how to pour concrete and how to you know do mortar and how to lay ductwork and roofing. I mean, they did all of these things themselves. It was amazing. But what if she had not taken, you know, you know how YouTube comes up with all the little flashy ads? And what if she had gone, oh, that looks like a cool shortcut. I, instead of doing this whole water with the concrete thing, this looks like this might work a lot better. It'd be way faster. Distraction. And if she had done that, her foundation's gonna be terrible. I hear her house is still standing today. But you gotta know what you're doing, what you're, what is in your foundation. And for some of us, sometimes, let's just be real honest with ourselves, ladies, we might need to get the pickaxe out and kind of dig up some concrete and get some stuff out. Because sometimes we put stuff in the ground that we're standing on that's no ground at all. That's, it's that shifting sand. It changes all the time. It's going with a trend. It's going with what the next, you know, great thing is. It's not solid. It's not God and it's not His Word. We need to, we need to kind of be really honest with ourselves. Ask the Lord. Pray. Ask that prayer. Lord, what is in my foundation that isn't you? And show me so that we can get it out. But no, go back to that Ephesians 3 passage, you know, because it says that it's abundantly more within the, when the spirit and the power that is within you, but it's, it's, the power is Jesus. That's what's so great is, gals, it's just not hard. It's not a list. It's not like you got to do more and you got to do all of this extra stuff. It's a daily work, a daily time in the, with the Word, with the Lord. I was, I was thinking about when I first started at Athey, and I, was, I grew up in a Christian home, so as my husband did, and then we both went to a Christian college. I got a Bible minor. minor. I, had, I had great godly Christian parents, a great church I grew up in. And I remember after being here at Athey for about five years, and Chris and I walk, uh, driving home from church going, you know, I have learned more about the Lord and more about the Word in the last five years than I think I've learned my whole life. And the thing that I love, you guys, you guys, if you hear it at Athey, we're not flashy. And it's not like a quick 12 steps that you just come like, oh, good, I will do this one study and I will have it. Nope. It's every day, gals. It's every day. And not because it's a have to, because it's a get to. And when you come, be here, be here Wednesdays, be here on the weekends. And if you can't come in person, watch online. Because what it is, is just a turning of the pages. 
It's going verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and you can go ahead and just actually picture your foundation being fortified, being just absolutely poured with the firm foundation of who Jesus is and what is true about God. But it does take time, but it isn't hard. And isn't that kind of the Lord, that in his goodness, he doesn't make it complicated. We just need to come to him every day, be in his word, and and just be learning about who he is, knowing that he is the one that is going to be holding us firm. You don't even have to do it. I'm gonna ask the band, it's gonna come up and we're gonna do one final worship song before we go. But while they're coming up, I do want you gals to just be really thinking about this whole idea of foundation. And, and don't, you know, it, it's easy to just leave and go, oh, thank goodness the food was good and, and I met somebody great. And that's, that's all great stuff. That's so good. But don't, the enemy wants you to walk out these doors and go, okay, they're just not gonna remember that part. And the Lord wants you to check your foundation because he loves us. He wants us to be walking with him. He wants us to be standing firmly on his word and knowing who he is all of who he is, his goodness, his love, his justice, all of who he is. Would you guys bow your, bow your heads, close your eyes. Let's just be praying. And Lord, I just ask that you would just show each of these women the wonderful truths from your scripture that speak directly to where they're at. I don't know. But Lord, you know what each woman, what, what it is that they have been built, building on and maybe some things that need to be taken out. It might be people in their life that have been speaking into them and something that is contrary to your word. It may be things in media. It might be books they read. It might be music they listen to that is impacting their foundation. Lord, I pray that not from a weird legalistic have to, but from a get to place, Lord, would they have a love for your word that if it hadn't started before today, that it begins right now. And Lord, I just pray that our foundation, that we would know what it is and it has nothing to do with us. So Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you make it so clear. I thank you that you love us enough that in your goodness that is so abundant, you've given us an inheritance in pleasant places. And I ask Lord that you would just, you would let your word do exactly what it set out to today. You tell us that it does not return void. And I pray that the enemy would not have a foothold in this area, but that these scriptures, that you would bring them to mind and that women would be, we would all just be changed by your word, Lord, as we look to you for our firm, firm foundation. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to The Devoted Podcast. We are a ministry of Athey Creek Christian Fellowship in West Lynn, Oregon. For more resources, or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at atheycreek.com.